This is our fourth session now on Ephesians 2, 14 to 18. And I just want to say one thing left over from last time. You remember last time we were wrestling with how did God in Christ abolish the law of commandments in ordinances? That was the main point. How did he do that? How did the cross do that? How did the blood of Christ do that? And how did the abolishing of the law as a way of getting right with God and relating to God in a righteous way, how did that establish unity between us and God and unity between us and other believers? That was the focus last time. And in this session, I just wanted to do one quick follow-up and then move on to a massively important new thing. The follow-up was this phrase right here. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, both Jew and Gentile, and by implication every kind of ethnicity or class in Christ Jesus, in the church, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall, the hostility, namely by abolishing the law of commandments in ordinances. What, what does that add? And frankly, as I've looked at commentators, as I've thought about it myself, it's just not clear to anybody what Paul is trying to do by adding that to this, the abolishing the law of commandments. In other words, whatever the law commanded that we must obey uh, in order to be right with God, get right with God, establish our right standing with God, that way forward is abolished. And then he adds, in ordinances. And let me just suggest to you what F.F. F. Bruce says by way of paraphrase. He thinks that this was added just to stress the completeness of the abolishing of all of it. So his paraphrase is, um, abolishing the law of commandments, ordinances and all. In other words, adding this is an intensifier and an expander of this just to make sure we take it seriously. Maybe that's, that's right. That gets at the essence, perhaps, of why that phrase was added. But now, Lord, before we take a step forward into the next focus, I pray that you will cause your blood, your flesh, your cross, that is the blood, the flesh, and the cross of Jesus, to assume its rightful place in this text and in our hearts and in our teaching and preaching and living. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want us to see, and I'm going to go back and include verse 13 right here, so now we've got 13 through 18, is the inescapable, massive importance of Christ crucified in his flesh, spilling his blood in order to achieve what this text is about. So let's read it, and I'll mark those places. And you see, if you agree, how prominent, central, foundational, inescapable it is. But now in Christ, and I'm not just going to circle these in Christ, but only the ones that specifically refer to his blood, his flesh, his death, 
his cross. But now in Christ, you who once were far off, so you Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So there's a big overarching statement. It was by bloodshedding that Gentiles and Jews could be united in nearness to God. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh. So his flesh was torn and pierced and his blood was spilling. And that's how it happened. Blood, flesh on the cross. In his flesh, he broke down the dividing wall, hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. And now we've got the instrument of the flesh tearing and the blood spilling named killing the hostility by it, sometimes translated by him. But this pronoun here is most likely referring to the most immediate antecedent, namely the cross. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So four times in these verses, The focus is not just on Christ, which that is mentioned, what, half a dozen times here, that in Christ this happens, but it happens through the blood. Now, what what happens? Let's just make sure we see the focus. We've seen this numerous times. We'll see it again now. Now, in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near. So you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were separated from Christ. You were without hope in the world. You had no promises, no covenant, and no God. And now you have all of them because of the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Let's go ahead and use these words now. He's our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall, hostilities, gotten rid of it by abolishing the law of commandments in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, making peace and might reconcile us both to God, not just to each other, in one body, killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and, and peace to those who were near, for through him we both, have access in one spirit to the Father. So it's no doubt what this text is emphasizing. This text is emphasizing that Jew and Gentile who once were so hostile to each other and Gentiles were so far off from the covenants of promise and the possibility of salvation that now it's all changed. And Paul is going throughout the entire world preaching to all the nations of the world. And that's what we should be doing you may now all be brought near. How? People say, how did that happen? And we answer, Christ's blood has been shed. Christ's flesh has been torn. Christ was nailed to a cross. By that cross, 
and his being killed on it, he killed. Isn't that a remarkable paradox? So by it, the killing instrument, he killed hostility. The death of death and the death of Christ. The death of hostility and the death of Christ. Now here's my point. Lots of people preach this text who are far from biblical understanding, and they just want to hijack this text for peace. They want to hijack this text for racial reconciliation. And they want to downplay the blood, downplay the torn flesh, downplay the cross, downplay the cross and all that it stands for. And what it stands for is God's wrath removed. When this says reconciled to God, remember what had been said in verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. There's the fundamental problem in the book of Ephesians and in the world. There are lots of other problems, but this is most fundamental. If the Almighty God is wrathful, angry at sinful man, we are all cut off from God and cut off from each other, hating one another. But God has sent his son into the world to bleed, to be torn, to die on a cross and become a curse for us so that this wrath might be removed and there might be peace with God in Christ Jesus, in himself. That's what the world ignores. They want, to, they want the peace of this text. They want the reconciliation of this text. They want the racial harmony of this text. And they don't want the atonement. They don't want propitiation. They don't want redemption. They don't want justification. They don't want blood and torn flesh They don't want wrath. They don't want sin. And therefore, now let me make this clear. Those of us who love the power of this text to bring races near to God and to each other, to make peace and oneness among races, those of us who love that, Jew and Gentile and all manner of Gentile and every color of Gentile and every class of Gentile, every education of Gentile, both sexes of Gentile, We love what this text says about that, and it makes us angry when the glorious foundation of it is stripped away. Because if you get rid of the wrath-removing cross of Christ, blood of Christ, torn flesh of Christ, all you have is worldly sentiment. Let's all be nice to each other. This text is a glorious foundation for racial reconciliation, a glorious foundation for ethnic harmony and oneness and respect and peace in Christ. And every teacher, every pastor should be preaching it 
and not letting anybody strip it of its foundational glory.